Right, friends, we're there. So, oh, we can pray. We just get one of my props in the middle. No, oh, it doesn't help, does it? Yeah, put it on the stage. Ta-da. Can you see this? No? I'll move it back a bit more. There you go. We'll put it back there. Oh, yes, please. Yes, it's funny, isn't it? That crazy man's about to do a sermon. (laughs) So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the preparation that Martin's put into this and the message you've given him for us for today. We pray we'll have open hearts and minds to respond to what's said. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Friends, I'm... We are going to look at Hebrews 5, but I want to get into this by thinking a little bit about salvation and um, how it works from there. I'm just kind of moving up here, so I'm nearer the screen, the piece of paper. So tell me, aha, what, as it were, are the things necessary unto salvation that people need to know? In other words, if somebody said to you, how do I get to heaven? What sort of things would you want to talk to them about? Jesus died for you. Jesus, thank you very much. And Jesus died for you. Somebody else. What else would you want to talk about? God's forgiveness. Forgiveness of God. God's forgiveness. Okay. What else might we talk about? Love. Uh-huh. Sin. Because if you're going to talk about forgiveness, you need to talk about sin, don't you? Oops, sin. Sin, no. Faith. Eternity. Sorry? Peace. Holy Spirit. Empower to change. Sorry? Grace? Grace. Yeah, grace is, uh, yeah, grace is a hard concept, isn't it? In terms of how do you define grace. But anyway, keep going. Um, what else do we see as the sort of basics you want to talk about in terms of faith? Getting to help somebody to understand enough to know how to, how, what, what salvation is. Anything else? Ah, okay. So there's something about free gift that we don't earn or deserve. You know the Bible verse. I'm not necessarily pushing for a particular um, answer. Um, I don't think necessarily we've forgotten anything. But I think it's 
you know, I think any sense of saying, how do I get to heaven, is going to cover quite a lot of that. Uh, you might have uh, a, a sort of framework in your head that is like ABC, admit you're a sinner, believe um, in Jesus, and C, commit your life to him. Yes? No? You might have, a, have a, a, an outline in your head that's about the five fingers. I never know, quite understand how they are, though. Um, yeah, you use a thumb for thumbing a lift to heaven. It's a free gift. Um, oh. You did the training here about three years ago, four years ago. No, it wasn't me. I didn't do the training. Um, but you, whatever, whatever, whether you've got an outline in your head or not, actually, I think you'd want to talk to people about the reality that at some point you'd have to talk about the reality that all humankind um, and all people sin, all people rebel against God. Uh, we need to therefore talk about the consequence of that rebellion is that we would normally go to hell, whether or not you actually use that word um, in, in a conversation, because that's quite a frightening kind of word, isn't it? But God chooses to give us that free gift of life without him in heaven that starts today, and part of that free gift is about God's forgiveness, and that's possible because Jesus died for you. Yes? And so we've talked about free gifts, we've talked about faith, sin, forgiveness, Jesus died. Um, grace is effectively what we've talked about. This is the grace of God, that he gives us this free gift of life with our hand with him. Um, we've talked a bit about eternity. Um, but actually some people need convincing to start with that there is an eternity. Most, some people think that actually, you know, you, you die and you're eaten up by worms. And that's it. So there is some sense of conversation that could be had with all sorts of people about that there might be something beyond this life. You look at me like I'm, I'm gone mad. No? No? That's okay. Um, peace then becomes, I think, an outworking of understanding salvation, that we make our, God, we make our peace with God, and God is... God makes peace with us. God makes it possible for us to have peace with him. Um, and so, let's just push a bit more on the outworking of salvation. Yes, absolutely. Yes, we, we, yes. You, we admit, first of all, that we are sinners. We believe in, Jesus, in God's free gift and we commit our lives to... Yes, it's a, it's a free offer, but you need to take the offer. Yes? And having taken the offer, just like if you get given a Christmas present, you don't want to leave it wrapped up and put it on the shelf and go, oh, it's beautiful. You actually want to unwrap the gift, don't you? And discover what it means that we have peace with God, that we have uh, eternity with God. Yes? So there's a kind of outworking of having received um, of having come to faith, which you could talk about as, um, posh word, sanctification. If that's justification, 
it's just as if I've never sinned, then sanctification is about saying, how do I live out my life now that I've been made right with God, now that the Holy Spirit is living in us to empower me to change, what, what, what does that change look like? What are the kind of things that Christians do, in other words, classically, helpfully? Go to church. Okay, so church. Grow. Do, do, I, do I go and sit myself in a pot of tomorite then? We grow by reading. Ah, okay. Read Bible. Uh, somebody said something about prayer, I think. And then we can, you said share. Ah. Share. Share. Uh, learn prayer. We just talked about it, didn't we? Love one another. Yes, you did say love earlier, didn't you? One another. Kindnesses. Kindnesses. What do you mean by kindnesses? So you. Okay, so you might sort of begin to talk about serving others, service. Yes, there's a possibility. Serve, service. And no, we're not talking tennis. Sorry, Marianne. We're not talking tennis, I said. Service. Service, tennis, tennis game. Um, holiness. Oh, what's holiness mean? Holiness. but not of the world springs to mind that sense of somehow gentleness Uh uh-huh are are any of you going to talk about the fruit of the spirit Ah. fruit of the spirit now tell me can you do the fruit of the spirit on your own Love, joy, peace. Joy, perhaps. Peace, perhaps. Patience, kindness, gentleness. Self-control. Surely our self-control is sorely tested when we're with other people. We need faith. Okay. 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 So, y- yes, I'm with you. Um, let me write it down. Faith. Um, uh, but I, I, and I think there's a sense in which all of this growing in the spirit, growing in 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 faith, if you like, growing in maturity comes from that understanding and we haven't really talked about it is that actually we're adopted into God's family when we come to faith and so our identity is different we are brothers and sisters 
of Jesus. We, we, we therefore begin to have a, understand the consequences of that and the outworking is that actually we live our lives no longer for our glory and honour, but for God's glory and honour. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a, there's a real... S- I think there's a sense of family, of community that we, we kind of need to be talking about in all this. And, and I think I'm always very conscious when it comes to community that actually we... We're all on a journey and so we can't expect other people around us to be perfect when we're not. So if other people are not as loving and peaceful and kind and generous towards us as, as we think they ought to be, let's provoke one another to godliness rather than write them off. Because actually we, we, we're on a journey. This is part of being what community is about. Because actually we're called to be people who, who live in community, who work things out in community. Who, 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 and that's a long way from just pitching up at church for an hour and a half or an hour, or two hours, whatever it is, you know. Because it's not about, I think, doing church as being church. Being a community of followers together. Do you want an example? We took a house group once from a nunnery, and then, uh, to the best of all, we had it. Okay, so that's focused on, it's still quite individualistic in a sense. It's the way I need to change, I need to learn to love each other, I need to pray, I need to read the Bible, I need... But there is a, there's a kind of communal sense that actually we... There's another strand to our life which is about helping other people to discover God's love. So actually, if you like, be in the position where eventually somebody else says, how do I get to heaven? And no, you'll never get to heaven on a, whatever it is, bait bean tin or a, oh, you'll never get to heaven. On a very rude song. Um, and so there is that whole aspect of how do we live our lives in a way that enables other people to discover how different God followers are? Does that make sense? So there's a kind of mission, outreach kind of thing. And I... I'm very, what am I trying to say here? I think what I'm trying to say is that actually we can't just 
turn this on one day. It actually comes as people see us doing stuff, doing service. And, 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 and I suppose here locally, I look at, say, what happens on a Thursday morning at the net huh? and see that as a sort of microcosm or a micro, no, not a microcosm, but an example of actually that sense of being around week by week by week, fairly similar people. Sometimes they fall out with each other, but with each other, but actually somehow there's a sense of life lived out in public glaze, gaze, of recognizing that people say sorry to each other, of recognizing that there is a, um, there's a normality, a reality, a, a, a realness to relationships. Actually, that serves to draw other people into a community, into, into the community, in, into, towards understanding of faith, of God. And I guess for me, in terms of how we are as a church community, I want to think, and I keep thinking carefully, about how do we live our lives so that this is not some kind of bolt-on extra but actually it's integrated in the fabric of who we are as people. And for some of us, that's about bringing the kingdom of God to, have to, kingdom of God to earth in the places, kingdom of God even, your kingdom come to, 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 to earth. Um, your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Um, and the bits of earth that we go to, whether that be work or neighbours or um, wherever we meet people, we're wanting to somehow exhibit, show the value system by which we live, which is that actually we live our lives knowing that God loves us, that he forgives us, that we're, we're accepted and acceptable to God, even at times when we mess up. Does that make sense? You with me so far? Absolutely. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, it can be. Mm. It can be. Hey, look at me! Aren't I brilliant? Aren't I lovely? Serving all these people, but actually, no. It's about I just want to serve them. And actually, we give the glory to God. Okay, now let's let's kind of put ourselves back into this passage a little bit, because I think there is. You, you, I think you'll see in a minute the merit as to why we've talked about this for, for quite some time. Oh dear, apologies. Um, have you all got Bibles accessible? Because. Can't change that anymore. There are Bibles around. June's got a stash over there. Um, so, um, looking at this uh, Bible passage a minute, if you look to verse 10, which was the verse before we started, um, we want, no, it says, um, Go back to verse 8. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. 
And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal life, eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designated a guard to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Okay? Now, then, the author to the book of Hebrews takes a bit of a break and a sidewinder, and at the very end of chapter 6 comes back and says, uh, he's become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And then chapter 7, which is where we'll be at next week, um, you get an understanding of who Melchizedek is and was and quite how he's important. So, so this week's a bit of a kind of, you know, last week ended with, uh, the, as it were, the mention of high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Chapter 7 comes back to it, and, and this bit of end of chapter 5 and chapter 6 um, effectively becomes a, well... You know, I'm going to tell you about that, but until we get, before we get there, I just need to put a few things right, a few things straight, okay? There's a parenthesis, if you like, yes. But it's not a parenthesis in the sense of a, of a, of a, a side topic. It's a clearing the ground, ready for people to go, oh, okay? So, um, Notice that, uh, no, verse 11, 12, 13, to start with. Um, it, it, we have much to say about this, that is, about uh, Jesus, God, high priest in the order of Melchizedek, uh, but it is hard to make it clear to you because, actually, you don't try to understand. Oops. Given up trying. It's a bit of a problem, isn't it? So there's given up trying... Um, given up trying to understand. Oh, it's all too hard. I'll just go back to my old ways. I don't understand all this stuff about, about Jesus and Melchizedek and, and oh, no, give up. Um, uh, pre, the writer goes on, you know, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need, still need somebody to teach you the elementary truths of the word of God all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Uh, anyway, he's going to give you solid food in a bit later. Um, anyone who lives on milk is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Okay? Righteousness. So there's markers to maturity here that actually if we understand and live, live and understand righteousness, there's hope for us, as it were, that we, are, we might be counted amongst the mature. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. Now then... I think we all might think we understand good versus evil. So that becomes a kind of interesting one when actually what the writer says is that by training, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now that's kind of... We'll let that hang in the air for a bit. But there is a sense of training and constant training, if you like, that um, the writer ascribes to a root to righteous, to, to maturity, to solid foodness. Yes? With me so far? Okay, so therefore he says, let us move on beyond the elementary teachings about Christ 
and we take it forward to maturity, not laying again the foundations. Okay? So, basically, he's going back to foundations in the next couple of verses. Um, And I think it's probably worth us trying to just compare his basics to our basics. Because I think there's an interesting thing to pull out of this. So let me go to red. Um, What are the basics then, according to Hebrews chapter 6? Repentance from acts that lead to death. Repentance. Yeah, of faith in God. Faith in God. Yes, we have not talked about baptism, have we, at all today? Instructions about baptism or cleansing rites um, is, is a version that you could have. So, and it's baptisms. It's not necessarily about individual baptisms. But anyway, cleansing rites, whatever that means. Um, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Lay on hands. What was the other middle? Resurrection of the dead, was it? And eternal judgment. Resurrection of dead. Eternal judgment. Judgment, was it? Or eternal life? Hmm. Now, here's a question for you. Is any of this specifically Christian? Could you be a Jew and have all this? if you're a Pharisee or a Sadducee, you know, there's a bit of a kind of argument, wasn't there? Think about Martha. John um, 11, isn't it? Conversation with Martha while Lazarus is dying dead in the tomb um, is quite interesting. It's um, 11.24. I did look it up before. Um, Jesus, uh, Martha says to Jesus... Um, yes, that's right. Um, and, um, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha answers, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. In the resurrection at the last day. Clearly actually a common Jewish belief that there would be a resurrection of the dead at the last. So there has to be an understanding about judgment if you're going to have a resurrection. You're not all going to be resurrected and happily go off to see Jesus. Uh, 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 God, sorry. Um, So, you know, and and Jewish faith is all about faith in God because we're not talking about faith in Jesus the Messiah, in, in this baseline stuff, are we? We're talking about 
actually stuff that's all common between Christians and Jews. And remember that Hebrews was written to a group of Jews who had become Christians. Okay? So actually where he talks about, he, she maybe, let's say she for a bit, shall we? The writer to the book of, of the book of Hebrews, where she says, she sells seashells on the seashore, where she says, um, why else would you want anonymity? Unless you thought that by your gender you were going to be disallowed. Mm. Sorry? Or your voice would not be heard. Anyway, let's not go that route today. It's a conjecture. Um, but actually, the elementary teachings, although it does say about Christ at verse 1, and be taken forward to maturity, actually, the foundation you could see as actually a Jewish foundation. Which kind of is why, I think, the writer to the book of Hebrews is so adamant that actually we need to think about Jesus as superior to angels, as, just to go through the few chapters we've got, as greater than Moses, as um, the, the great high priest... Um, and then, and then the stuff about Jesus being the, the king as well. Because actually, the, the writer needs to show that Jesus is both the Messiah, but also he needs to help them to understand the consequences of understanding of Jesus as the Messiah and the great high priest. Because actually, if Jesus is the high priest, uh, well, what's the point of these guys going off to the temple? the first readers of Hebrews. Why would they go off to the temple to sacrifice when Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice? Sorry? Absolutely. But it's a consequence that they need to work out for themselves. And I think that's kind of really where Hebrews is at. He's trying to help people to go, look, yes, I have a Jewish background faith, but now I've accepted that Jesus is the Messiah. Therefore, how do I live out my life? What's this whole point virtually you know what's the stuff about sanctification how does that change the way that i live so that's that's chapter verse one to three um so it's kind of tantalizing isn't it because the writer she um says okay let's move on from the foundations but then we don't move on from the foundations until um chapter 7, pretty much, or chapter, well, at least after this verse, these, these verses. Um, so we kind of get another separate bit about those who have been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. Now, that feels really, really hard, doesn't it? Because it says, it, 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 we kind of read that and go, oh, okay, so... Uh, so if I've been enlightened, no, not I, if somebody's been enlightened who's tasted the heavenly gift, tasted the gift of, of, of the free gift of God, of salvation, of adoption into the family, who's tasted the heavenly gift, who's shared in the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of the word of God and the fact that God keeps his word, his promises are yes and amen, and the powers of the coming age... 
So that is the sense of God's kingdom breaking into this earth. And then has fallen away. I think, I think, I want to be kind here. And I think I want to say that actually, how much is that about a reality that whatever we say to somebody, it's unlikely to get through, but that God by his spirit can still get through to somebody. God can still change somebody's heart. Um, it's kind of a little bit like you can't persuade an alcoholic to stop drinking until they're ready to. And you can argue with them for years and show them pictures of horrible livers and stuff. And, and until they're ready, they won't stop. And I, kind of, I wonder whether we're kind of slightly on that because um, you kind of have to compare that then with some of the stuff about you know, grieving the Holy Spirit um, as the unforgivable sin and well, what does that mean? And it's all a kind of, uh, where do we go with that? Um, but, um, well, where we go with that is the next verse, isn't it? To their loss, they're crucifying the Son of God all over again, subjecting him to public disgrace. And then you've got this image of the land, land that produces thorns and land that, is, that produces a crop. And the reality is that actually the difference between the two types of land is that one's been planted with crops and the other one hasn't. You don't just get wheat growing in your back garden, do you? You get weeds growing, but what you, you, kind of, you have to be a bit deliberate about the things you plant. The things you want to grow, that is. Yes? And so I, I, I think... There's something here about the tending the land that we possibly need to take notice of, that actually we are called to keep ourselves alert to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We need to be people who, who keep responding to that calling of God to serve, to live in community, to live our lives to God's glory and honour. Um, and then the writer in true motherly fashion, is convinced of better things in the case of her hearers, the things that have to do with your salvation. Um, Because actually God's not going to forget their work, not going to forget the love that's shown, and not, you know, in the way that you've helped other people and continue to help them. And we're called to keep on with the same diligence to the very end. So to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. There is a strong strand of Hebrews that is a very strong reminder that we haven't got it all yet. We're going to be with God in heaven, but we're going to be. We pray for God's kingdom to come on earth, but we pray for it. And it doesn't always seem to be manifest, certainly not as manifest as we'd like it to be. And, and that reality is that, yes, I can say I have been saved, I can say I am being saved, but I can also say that I will be saved. And there is a future sense in which actually the glory of being with God in heaven is going to be so different to this earth that actually it becomes, that there becomes a sense in which actually, it, you know, we were, it feels like it, it is promised still, even though we're beginning to experience the Yes, the deposit that guarantees what is to come. 
to quote Ephesians about the Holy Spirit. Um, but it's only a deposit. It's only a, a, a little taster, if you like. Now, just... I, I've gone on a long time, I'm sorry. Um, I think for me, then, there's two things. One is... How do we live our lives so that others see who we are and what we're like? The other thing is that actually there is a bit of an analysis that actually perhaps we're not as different to this world as really we could be, as really perhaps God's people have been in the past. Um, let me read you a, a, a statement and then we'll, we'll see what you make of it. Um, my reading of our circumstances as the Western Church is not that there is a huge gulf between our faithfulness with our money and our faithfulness in every other respect. Rather, while it's been hard to shift or diminish biblical teaching on giving, we have managed to so lower the bar for Christian living that it's commonplace for us to call converted what an earlier generation would plainly name as worldly. So, for example, we're satisfied with a form of hospitality that involves opening our homes to those of the same social class and interests only. We're happy to be known as Christians in our networks so long as, we're not, so as, long as we aren't known to burn with zeal for their salvation. They're a nice person. They do God, but no, 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 no. They wouldn't kind of hassle me so much. We're, attend with, we're content with attending church two-thirds of the time. We're persuaded that it's good enough to not speak ill of people rather than actively seek their good. And we do speak ill of, he, of people, but only politely. We're glad to belong to churches that are doing good for the poor, so long as those churches respect how busy we are. We console ourselves with the thought that we would bring people to church if we knew more unbelievers. But we don't, so we don't. We're confident that the children's ministry leaders are discipling our children, because that's their job, isn't it? We pray when we're at Bible study or in trouble or we'll have time, or about to meet with somebody who we promised we'd pray for, but other times, who knows? The thing is, the church will never be perfect to demand otherwise, as Bonhoeffer said, is to accuse one's brethren, one's God, and ultimately oneself. But I believe that the reason he's focused on giving, our giving, financial giving, looks so bad, is because we've come to accept almost anything in the rest of our lives to, and called it satisfactory. We need to honestly name what it is to live the godly life and actually name the reality that we've substituted middle classism and niceness and pacifism and hidden immorality and, frankly, public immorality for godly piety. We need to recognise the fact we've become a church of lounge dwellers and repent. Um, perhaps it's a little harsh, but I think on the whole, his calling, this chap's calling, I forget who he is now, I'm sorry, um, is that actually we're called to live our whole lives in response to God. And as we work out the reality of what it means in Hebrews terms that Jesus is the great high priest in the order of Melchizedek, we begin to then, and for ourselves, we then recognise the, 
as it were, we, we work out the reality of our salvation, that we are saved from the fires of hell, that actually that should drive us to, to do all that we can to help others. All things to all people that some might be saved. And here I am standing on a big stage. Apologies. Let's take a moment to pray. And I have a, um, an older Matt Redmond song that I want to play to us that um, just might give us a chance to reflect and to um, repent, perhaps, if that's appropriate. Father, we can think of people who used to be involved in church, who perhaps have been once enlightened, who have have tasted the heavenly gift, and so on, and yet have stopped associating with your people. Father, we can think of people who we want to hold to a higher standard than ourselves. And yet at heart, we need to deal with our own relationship with you. Father, forgive us when we make excuses for our own attitudes, for our own behaviours. Give us courage to be people who fully live out our lives in response to your amazing love for us. Give us courage to be people who stay focused on your love, on Jesus, on his work on the cross of bringing us to salvation. mercy, we pray. Amen. Everything's changed 
Father, thank you for your love towards us. And Father, this night I ask that you'd preserve us from false guilt. And that your spirit would prompt us where we need to change. 